streaming. Uh, we're praising the Lord because we heard yet again that Jesus is the answer. Glory to God. It's not the turning up, uh, the turning up of food. It is, the, it is not the doing without. It is the filling with Him, the filling with Jesus. And we all found that out. What a blessing it is. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. I'm going to continue with my message. The series is called Stand. Everyone say stand. stand. Remember last week when I had you stand up what, and had you remember and think about what it feels like to be standing. No matter what's shaking or falling apart around you, you are standing. And that's the will of God. And of course, that's what Paul is writing about. When he begins in verse six of Ephesians, uh, verse ten of Ephesians six, he says, <clears throat> "Finally, be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of His power. Clothe yourselves with the full armor of God, so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the powers, against the world rulers of this darkness." against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand your ground on the evil day. And having done everything, stand. Stand firm, therefore, by fastening the belt of truth around your waist, by putting on the breastplate of righteousness, by fitting your feet with the preparation that comes from the gospel of peace. And in all this, by taking up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With every prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and to this end, be alert." with all perseverance and requests for all the saints. Amen. God wants you to be able to stand your ground. So He has given you six things to do every day, so you'll be standing on the bad days. Now, the whole armor of God is six items, and we're going to go through them. We're going to go take a look at number three today. But the whole armor of God isn't six things to know, but six things to do in order to stand. Truth, righteousness, the gospel, faith, salvation, and the word of God are all things to know, but more importantly, they're things to do if you're going to stand. Now, when you think about the whole armor of God, probably as I have over the years, you visualize the components of the armor. Helmet, breastplate, belt, shoes. And so that, that might cause you to miss in the, in the analogy that Paul is using, in the metaphor of the whole thing, it might cause you to really miss the significance and make you think this is the armor Jesus wore. But this isn't the armor Jesus wore. This is the armor Jesus is. The helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness. That's not things Jesus put off and put on. This is Jesus. 
The armor of God is God. Somebody say praise the Lord. Number three. We are putting on the shoes of good news. That is the third component of the whole armor of God. Put on the shoes of good news. And let me read that verse again in verse 15. Stand by having your feet fitting, excuse me, your feet with the preparation that comes from the gospel of peace. Fitting your feet with the preparation that comes from the gospel of peace. Let me talk for a minute about preparation. The reason God made humans start out in childhood and then grow into adulthood is the need for preparation. Learning to deal with obstacles in your upbringing prepares you with confidence to face the challenges of adulthood. However, no matter how prepared we are in this life, sin has placed human need beyond the reach of our capabilities. Regardless of how prepared one is in education, in strength, in mental focus, or in wealth, or resources, the real needs of people lie beyond our abilities to meet them. And you have only but to turn on the news every day, and eventually you'll figure out that after 6,000 years of the futility of man to advance himself, to lift his brother up, to help his sister, to better his situation, there's something beyond these natural elements that we wrestle with that keeps us in a state of failure. So we prepare for life as best we can. But life can be a real disappointment and it's constantly a struggle. And that's what Paul said. You need to put on the armor of God because if you're truly going to be prepared in life, you're going to need to put on Jesus Christ because you can't deal with the battles of life if you don't do that. So people walk through life on shoes of limited preparation. Think of the most prepared person that you know in your life. And it might be you. You might feel you're the most prepared person that you know. But if it's not you, think of the person that you might, might think of. If someone said, who do you think is the most prepared person to help others, to be successful in life? And if you let your mind go there for a moment, you'll probably get one or two people that will come before you. But let me say to you that even the best preparation and the most prepared and supplied person is going to walk in shoes of limited preparation. So why do I say this? Why do I take the time to talk about it this morning? Because you need to understand that it is natural within us to lack confidence in the face of things that we are not prepared for. When we meet a person whose life is really stuck in a place that we've never been, under circumstances we've never experienced, we are naturally hesitant and we hold back. We don't advance into that situation. We stay out. You know, you, you see this when you go visiting people in hospitals. People don't even want to go in the room because they can't handle It's not that they don't care, but they can't handle the situation. They know there's nothing they can offer to help. You want to see awkwardness 
We all become awkward when we face human need and we know that we're at best limited in our preparation to deal with it. If you need an analogy to help you, why would an actor who plays a world-class surgeon on TV be terrified to remove his wife's appendix in real life? After all, he plays a surgeon on television, but there's his wife with a burst appendix. Why doesn't he just do what he does on TV? Because he knows when it comes right down to it, he's not prepared. So why would he be terrified to approach? Why would he not put himself out with boldness? No preparation. I'm not prepared to do this. I only act it. Are you listening to me? You see, being unprepared to help others is what paralyzes compassion. You will not offer yourself to those with needs that you yourself are not prepared to handle. You hold back. I've never been an alcoholic. I have no experience with addictions. I don't know what it's like to be in this situation. We hold back from reaching out to people whose problems and dilemmas and their brokenness, quite frankly, is beyond our scope of experience. And so, lack of preparation paralyzes compassion. Even Christians shrink back from their assignment to share Jesus with the lost because you feel unprepared to solve their problems. That is the biggest reason why Christians don't witness to the lost. Why we don't share the gospel. Because I know that you're bold when it comes to other things. I've seen you cut up and act the fool. I've seen you make a fool out of yourself when you were bold in things that you felt secure and prepared in. But when you're facing somebody that you don't know, just the fact that you don't know them, it's hard for you to break that boundary and share Jesus Christ because you feel like you probably can't solve their problems. However, I've got good news. That's what the gospel is, good news. And this, this is all about standing by putting on the preparation that comes from the gospel of peace. You see, through the gospel, the work of preparation has already been done. Let me say that again. Wake you up this morning. Through the gospel, the work of preparation to face the sick, to face the blind, to face the addict, to face the brokenhearted, the preparation's already been made to solve their problems, to pick them up, to meet their needs, to make that connection with them. The gospel has that connection. Can you say amen? That work's already been done. You see, at the heart of the gospel, what's the verse that first comes to mind? When you think of one verse in the Bible that, that expresses the gospel, what is it? John 3.16. Come on, John 3.16. For God, what? So the world that He did what? Because God loved, He gave. See, the giving's already been done. You don't witness to people because you don't think you've got something to give them. But the gospel has already given. 
God so loved. You don't approach people because you don't feel love for them. But the gospel's already got love for people. Can you say, God so loved, He gave. Can you say amen? I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you. Look, when you walk through life with the peace of the gospel of Jesus in your heart, you're already prepared with the anointing that gave beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Ashes, think about it. Mourning. Heaviness. These are the true spiritual roots of people's suffering from which human confidence shrinks back. We'll go help a person that's fallen down, skin their knee, because we can do a little first aid. But when it's gotten to the point of ashes, what can you do? The house is burned down. The life's burned down. When there's nothing but ashes left, we feel paralyzed to help. We don't know. How do you address somebody whose life is in ashes? Mourning. You see it all the time. You go to funerals. People walk around like they have arthritis from the top of the head to the tips of their toes. They're just brittle and they're just afraid to approach anybody. And especially when you come up to the grieving relative. You know why? Because we don't know how to fix mourning. When people are mourning, we don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. But the Bible says He gave the oil of joy. Hallelujah. For mourning. Somebody in you, when you go out with the joy of the gospel in your heart, you are prepared. You don't have to have an answer. You carry the answer in the gospel of Jesus. The spirit of heaviness. My goodness. Billions upon billions of dollars are spent for counselors and pharmaceuticals and plans and books and studies and it's endless ad nauseum on and on to lift up those that are in heaviness. We still, after 6,000 years, don't know how to cheer up the heavy-hearted. But the Bible says that He gave the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why? Because heaviness is a spirit. Mourning is a spiritual condition. Ashes is a spiritual condition. We hold back because we're not walking in the peace of the gospel. When you're walking in the peace of the gospel, there's a forward-leading confidence that you have. You know you don't have it, but you're carrying the one who does have it. Come on. Can you say amen? When... Your reason to get up every day is to strap on the shoes of good news and face the world with God's love. You can tell everyone you meet, I don't know the path that you've traveled or the burdens that you carry, but I can introduce you to the one who does know. The one who can take your burdens and the one who will carry you through. Can you say amen? amen? Why, when you walk in the gospel, when you get up every day with the peace of the gospel of Jesus in your heart, that's where your confidence is. And when you walk in that gospel, you are prepared to offer the one who has 
mercy for the guilty, forgiveness for the condemned, the way home for the wayward. Somebody say praise the Lord. Rebuilding for the ruined, love for the broken, and light for the lost. Because Jesus is the captive's chain breaker. He is the addict's deliverance. He is the seeker's answer and the soldier's peace. His gospel comes with comfort for the conflicted, relief for the hardened, freedom for the oppressed, and rest for the stressed. Hallelujah. You see, the gospel will prepare you for all the people that you can't deal with. I need to say that again. I did, I did hear a little whimper of a hallelujah over there. Thank God for that. But you all missed an opportunity to jump out of your chair and shout. I've got good news today. When you will fill your heart with the peace, it'll fill your feet, your walk, with the confidence. What you feel unprepared about in the face of the unsaved, God will replace it with confidence. You'll know that you are prepared, hallelujah, to deal with people that you can't deal with. You see, the gospel of peace prepares you to relate with millennials, to reach out to the elderly, hang out with different ethnicities, care for broken people, sick people, dying people. Can I go on? Listen to liberals. Listen to conservatives. Listen to Muslims. Listen to Scientologists. Love the poor. Love the rich. The bad and the ugly. Somebody say, praise the Lord, there's hope for me. When you leave your morning prayer to go out into your day, walking in the shoes of good news, you are prepared with the gospel of peace. Hallelujah. Don't leave that word peace off. The gospel of peace is what brings peace to those that are trapped in strife and struggle. Colossians 3.15, Paul writes, Let the peace of God rule Settle the controversies. Be the umpire. Picture what the umpire does at home plate. Everybody in the stands is in an uproar. They're all shouting one thing or another. He's safe. He's out. He's safe. He's out. But the umpire makes the declaration. And what he says stands. If the umpire says he's safe, he's safe. It doesn't matter. They can riot in the stands. But if he calls you safe, you're safe. Somebody say praise the Lord. So Paul says, let the peace, the preparation of the gospel of peace is what we're talking about. Walking in it. Let the peace of God be the umpire that settles the controversies in your hearts. See, you are prepared when you go out in life with the umpire of peace. He calls safe those who the accuser calls out. You stay away from people because you think they're too far gone for you to be able to reach them 
or the Lord in you to reach them. But honey, it's not about the vessel. It's about the treasure in the vessel. You see, it's not about your cracked vessel. So don't worry about it. In fact, if you've got some flaws, some chips, if you're worn, glory to God, more people will love you. People stay away from beautiful people. Now, I don't know this from experience, but I've watched people stay away from my wife for 40-something years, so I know that it happens. Hallelujah. But, you know, people are afraid to approach people that they think are just beautiful and symmetrical and, and uh, put together. They stay away from it. Because the brokenness in us doesn't relate to the perfection we think we see in others. So if you're broken down and you're a half a mess, it's about the treasure in you. Not about you the mess, but about Jesus the treasure that is in you. That's where you need to center your confidence. Stop waiting until you get it together. You're carrying the one who is together. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. And by the way, by the way, if that hasn't convinced you, let me try this on you this morning. For people to see you half messed up and the answer is in you gives them hope that they don't have to get themselves perfected before Jesus will come and dwell in them. Hallelujah. Amen. So you understand what we're talking about today. He's the answer. Glory to God. So you are prepared when you go out with the umpire of peace because he is going to call people safe who the accuser calls out. Don't let the accuser limit who you can reach out to for Jesus. Why do you not witness to people? Why do you not talk to people about Jesus? Why do you let that feeling of lack of confidence and being ill-prepared keep you back when your eyes are on the one who is reaching out through you to them, let him touch them through you. It's not about you. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Don't let the devil limit you. Don't let the devil tell you that you're not going to reach out to those people because you've allowed yourself. You know, when, let me just be frank with you. When we see people that we can't relate to, we push them away from us in our mind because we don't understand them. We don't understand what they're going through. And so in order to live in a world with people we don't relate with, are you listening to me? People that we don't normally associate with, we have to create a mental patch, a kind of a program, if you will, or an app that we run in our mind that explains those people, that explains why you don't have to connect with them, why you don't have to, why I don't have to go out of my way to witness to them. You create a little app in there that says, well, they're not going to listen anyway. Oh, well, those people, they just have a bad attitude. Oh, well, those people, they think this. See, we become prejudicial. You know, there's that big flap that's been going on forever about racism. And I wish they'd just leave it alone because the racism would die if people shut up about it. They'd just shut up and stop talking about it. It'd go away because people want to love one another. Can you say amen? But let me tell you where the real prejudice lies. The real prejudice lies deep within our hearts and has nothing to do 
with uh, those external things that people usually think racism has to do with. That prejudice has to do with the fact that I am insecure about approaching you with the gospel. Therefore, I've got to come up with a logic in me that says why I don't reach you, why I don't reach out to you. And what ultimately I end up saying is I'm not prepared to reach you. I don't feel prepared to reach out. I don't have the confidence to reach out to you. But I want you to know this morning that the Jesus in you loves those people. He is prepared. The prepared one in you wants to prepare your feet. He wants to give you the confidence to go out into all the world and tell all people and tell everybody about Jesus. Especially the people that you feel you can't help. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 through 20 says, For God was in Jesus, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead with you, come back to God. Wow. What a verse of scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 through 20. Absolutely astounding. I went right through the second portion of that phrase and I bet you didn't catch it. There's a stunning statement in there. It says, He is no longer counting people's sins against them. Did you read that? Is that true? Could that be possible? Could it really be true that the Lord at this present time, at this era in human history, that he is not counting people's sins against him? What could it possibly mean? Surely the Lord who is just, surely God who is holy must be counting people's sins against them. The verse doesn't mean that he doesn't recognize sin. The verse doesn't mean that God doesn't consider sin, sin. But he's not counting he is not standing in judgment and condemnation over people because of their sins. He's holding himself back. He's holding back judgment. Something in God has risen up stronger than judgment, stronger than the demand for equity, and it's called the mercy of God. The Bible says his mercy is above the heavens. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For God so loved the world he had to give. Hallelujah. He gave himself. He gave himself. Hallelujah. So the Bible says that God was in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. Let them put nails in his hands. Let them put him on a tree. Let them humiliate him. Let them strip every bit of dignity away. Let them rejoice in triumph over his apparent failure as though he were a fool. They made a fool out of the Savior on Calvary. And he let it all happen. We look at the world today and we think, why does God allow this to go on? Why does he keep letting sinners sin? Because God is concerned with something more 
than balancing the record or punishing sinners. Oh, the day of judgment will come. But there's something in the heart of God that's more important to Him than the punishing of sin. And it is the forgiveness. So that He can win the damned and the lost, the eternally broken, back to Himself. It's called the love of God. And the shoes of good news will prepare you to share that love with others. Can you say amen? amen? Why does God keep allowing sinners to sin? Because He is holding back judgment so that the love that sent Jesus into the world will send you on His behalf to say to them, we plead on God's behalf, come back to God. Somebody say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He's worthy to be praised this morning because He is the one who does for us what nothing else and nobody else can do. God has blessed you today to give you such a beautiful message, such an awesome, wonderful gift to give. You don't have to wait until you feel prepared to address people based on your ability to fix them. Jesus has already, the fix is in, as they say. He fixed it at Calvary. He brought the healing down, and it's here. The deliverance and the way is here. All you need to do is be fool enough to love them enough to tell them about Jesus. Just tell them about Jesus and watch the love of God. Watch God's love. Move. So to sum this message up this morning, let me just simply say to you that if you want to stand every day and particularly on bad days, get up every day and put on the gospel. When you rise from your time of communion with Jesus in the morning, go out with your mind set in the gospel. What is my mission today? What is my purpose? Not what are... What are the things I need to do on my list? You need to do those things. God understands it. But you need to do it as the ambassador of Christ. You need to go everywhere you go. Do everything you do as the one prepared to give the gospel of Jesus. If you would put this mind in you, if you allow God's love in your heart, you will stop thinking that as a Christian, it's your job to convince people. It's your job to change people. It's your job to straighten people out. See, that's why you and I don't approach people. Because we think they can't be straightened out. Yeah, but you only think that because you can't figure out a way to straighten them out. But guess what? Jesus saved Saul, who hated Jesus and persecuted Christians. What did Jesus say when, when Paul was squirming in the dust of the Damascus road? What did he say to him? He said, hey, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? Paul looked up and said, he said who are you, Lord? So the one who saved Saul is living in you. Be prepared. Allow yourself to be, but put self aside. Make self bow every day at the foot of the cross and take up that gospel. Wear it. Walk in it. 
It will prepare you to walk in places in life that you would never successfully be able to walk in otherwise. You see, the one who's whose feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel, the Bible says, for them, life is a different walk. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet. See, God knows those that are walking in the gospel, Terry, God makes sure that their path is beautiful. A beautiful path. How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those that bring good news. Hallelujah. That speak peace. Hallelujah. That is the you that has the key for overcoming. That is the you who will stand against the wiles of the devil. Do you want to know how you win in spiritual warfare? Go to the foot of the cross every day. Love Jesus, embrace him, and then get up with the gospel and the readiness to go share Jesus with others. And let me tell you what, the devil can't beat that. The devil can't defeat it. You know why? The Bible says love never fails. Somebody say amen. Close your Bible and stand with me this morning. The wonderful thing about this message is that you don't have to take six classes to learn how to do it. You don't have to pay any money. Uh, you don't have to uh, uh, do anything strenuous. All you have to do is change your mind in the presence of God. Just change your mind. Get before the Lord and look to Him and let Him touch your heart. Just ask Him, Lord, help me to be willing to speak about you to others. Help me to stop waiting until I feel love for them. I see people all the time, oh Lord, put love in my heart for the sinner. It's not your job to feel love for the sinner. Jesus' love for the sinner is what helps them. You're loving them, isn't going to do anything. But you're loving Jesus. That's a different story. You don't have to like them. Oh, Lord, help me to, to not have such a bad attitude towards this group of people. Forget about it. Bad attitude or not, love Jesus and go tell them about Him. He's got the love they need. They don't need your love. They need His love. They don't need your sympathy. They need His word. They need His compassion. Are you listening to me this morning? Are you willing? to let Jesus give you those shoes every day and put them on. If you're willing, He'll do it. All you have to do is be willing. If you say, oh, I don't think I could do that. But if you, if you open up your heart, He could put that love in there that will, love for Him will give you the boldness. Praise the Lord. Let's pray.